Welcome to ISS Corporate Solutions ESG Unlocked, a podcast that features engaging and insightful discussions with various ESG experts around the world. I am your host, Pamela Mutomwa. The topic for this episode is shareholder engagement, and our guest is Selena Tula-Chen. Selena is an advisor at ISS Corporate Solutions. She's on the Mid-America's advisory team and advises clients on areas of corporate governance, executive compensation, and shareholder engagement. Prior to joining ICS, Selena held positions in the nonprofit and consulting industries. She holds an MBA from Cornell University and a BA in economics from Randolph College. And now to set the stage for this episode, shareholder engagement is an evolving practice which has changed over the past several years. And the most significant change we can see is the relationship that boards have with their shareholders. Selena and I will explore what shareholder engagement is, some of the differences between traditional and progressive shareholder engagement by companies and their investors. We will also share best practices of an effective shareholder engagement program. And finally, some examples of what typically happens when companies fail to effectively engage their shareholders. Selena, welcome to ESG Unlocked. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me. Thank you, Pam. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. So engagement means different things to different stakeholders. But if you were to describe shareholder engagement to our listeners, let's say in one sentence, what would you say? Yeah, so I would describe shareholder engagement as a dialogue or information exchange between the board and the shareholders. And the stronger the communication between the shareholder and the board is, the stronger the engagement is. That's a good description. That's very helpful for us to understand there. From the investor perspective, an example that I can think of is um, shareholder proposals And just, you know, for our listeners who are very new to this concept, I'd say it's really a document recommendation that a shareholder who, according to the SEC standards, has more than $2,000 in stock or about 1% of the company. And they submit this document and they basically are asking for specific actions to be taken, which are clearly defined. And the ultimate goal is really to have other shareholders support it, who would then vote on it for this change to be implemented. Now, with that said, I recently came across some data that said that about 900 shareholder proposals have been filed in 2022. What are the most popular shareholder proposals out of that? In terms of the popular topics, there were three specific areas, corporate governance, environmental and social, and executive compensation. Starting off with corporate governance, one of the most popular shareholder proposal topic was requesting for reduced ownership threshold to call special meetings. There were about 108 of these proposals on the ballot, and nine of these received majority support. In terms of environmental and social diversity, equity, and inclusion was a very important topic that shareholders were focused on. And there were about 26 proposals on the ballot requesting for racial or civil right audit, and nine of these received majority support. Climate change was another topic that investors were very focused on, similar to previous years. There were about 24 shareholder proposals requesting for report on effects to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And 
Lobbying transparency was another issue that shareholders were focused on, and there were a handful of proposals requesting third-party review of alignment of companies' lobbying activities with its public statement and values. Executive compensation was another area where there were a handful of shareholder proposals, and change in control and severance were key issues that shareholders were focused on. There were about four shareholder proposals related to the submission of severance or change in control agreements to shareholder for approvals, and these uh, four shareholder proposals received majority support. It's interesting to see how diversity, equity, and inclusion is starting to pick up. I understand, you know, the last several years has been a lot of traction with that in that area. Yes, that is correct. I mean, it's a topic that shareholders have been focused on, and it continues to be a topic that has been gaining increased focus. What are your observations and how you see companies engaging with their shareholders? So when you look at traditional companies, you will see that directors see themselves primarily as the advisors to the CEO. However, if you look at progressive companies, you'll find that directors see themselves as representatives of shareholders, and they see themselves as risk monitors. If you look at the engagement program of traditional companies, you'll see that directors are typically shielded from engagement with shareholders. However, in progressive companies, you'll see that directors are proactively seeking to meet with shareholders themselves. In terms of the engagement program, traditional companies, you will see that engagement is rather reactive. So engagement is more about selling already made decisions and responding to crisis as opposed to being proactive and relational. However, when you look at progressive companies, you'll see that engagement is very proactive. It's focused on soliciting feedback before decisions are finalized. And Engagement is done in both good years as well as challenging years to build that really good relationship with the shareholders. What are the differences that you see when it comes to shareholders? So when you look at progressive in investors, progressive investors, they really want to effect change in the company rather than just sell down their position. And they have a very high interest in engaging on governance items. They are invested in the long-term strategy of the company and the overall sustainability of the company. On the flip side, traditional investors, they are not as keen on effecting change in the company. And they do not care as much about the governance stance of the company. They're mostly focused on the financial returns that the company is generating. And what we've seen is a big shift over the decade. Mm -hmm. um, you can see now that there are very few traditional investors and they're actually outliers. And it's mostly wow. very small to medium-sized investors that can be deemed as being traditional. That's interesting. So we are shifting to a more progressive investor environment, you're saying? Exactly. Yes, definitely. There are the investors now are much more progressive and there's also a pressure that they are facing to be more progressive as opposed to being traditional. That's interesting. Okay, so now in seeing the value of shareholder engagement like we've discussed here based on the differences, let's talk about what productive shareholder engagement looks like in practice. Sure. So a productive shareholder engagement has three components, which are engage, respond, and disclose. A productive engagement is a year-round relationship building process, and it's 
relational as opposed to transactional. In terms of how it looks like, you'll see that directors are very focused on building relationship with shareholders during both good and bad years. Some of the best practices here in terms of engaging with shareholders are starting early, um, which is starting the whole engagement process early, identifying the right investors, preparing your directors and management for these conversations with the shareholders and understanding shareholder concerns. Okay. The second component is responding to these shareholder concerns or feedback. So an engagement process can be very good. Companies or directors may have conducted outreach, but if the company does not take actions to respond to shareholder concerns, then the engagement effectively is not very productive. And responding to shareholders can take many forms. Uh, this can be adopting shareholder-friendly practices, or this can also be eliminating practices that shareholders had concerns with. Finally, the third component is disclosure. And this is basically providing robust disclosure on the engagement program and the outreach and the feedback that was received from the shareholders. Um, so some of the best practices here would be providing explicit reference with regards to the investor outreach. So this includes number of shareholders contacted, number of shareholders engaged with, and providing clear feedback or concerns from the shareholders. And finally, also providing very good disclosure on the actions taken by the board in response to these investor concerns. Really what I'm seeing here is a theme where, like you said, right, the three factors engage, respond, disclose, but I do see a theme of accountability and responding to shareholder concerns and really trying to work together to create value for them. Exactly. That's correct. It's essential for companies to not just engage, but also respond and disclose the engagement that they've conducted during the year. So there are instances, I'm sure, where companies don't do a great job in engaging shareholders. Would you be able to provide us with some practical examples where there are negative outcomes or failed engagement outcomes when companies work with their shareholders? Sure. So based on an analysis that was done by ICS this year, um, we found that failed engagement, or I would rather say lack of engagement, was a larger issue for smaller companies. There were about 35.7% of companies within the Russell 3000 that were flagged by ISS for having elevated concern for lack of um, compensation committee responsiveness. However, we do see that larger companies within the S&P 500 face this challenge as well. And what we're seeing is that companies with high responsiveness concern or lack of engagement had the least amount of shareholder support on say on pay in 2022 and there were many companies that experienced a second year of low support uh two years in a row a practical example of this is a handful of companies in the fiscal year 2020 and 2021 had made COVID-related adjustments or large retention grants, and as a result, received an against recommendation from ISS, and they faced failed stay on pay as a result. And in the following year, they failed to respond to shareholder concerns, and as a result, received against vote recommendation from ISS, which again led to low stay on pay support from shareholders. 
what we're seeing is that when companies fail to engage with their shareholders and when they fail to respond to shareholder feedback, they fall in this cycle of low level of shareholder support for consecutive years. And essentially, good shareholder engagement leads to greater shareholder support. That makes sense, right? It's it's all about building trust over the years with shareholders and the companies that they're invested in. Exactly. That is correct. And in certain instances, when companies fail to engage with their shareholders effectively, um, and when they are in the situation of low level of shareholder support for two years in a row, they might also face negative vote recommendation for their compensation committee directors or the chair of the compensation committee. And that becomes very problematic. Yes, it does sound like that would become a challenge for a company to eventually have to overcome. You know, Selena, I think this would actually be a perfect moment for us to wrap up here. So I'd like to summarize some of the main takeaways from our conversation for our listeners. And I'll start with emphasizing that engagement can be described as an ongoing open dialogue between shareholders and the company. We see that transparent communication and engagement are powerful in establishing trust between companies and their shareholders, even when company management teams feel the need to be discreet when they're not performing as expected. It is actually honesty and transparency in both the ups and downs that facilitates the necessary development for a trusting relationship with their shareholders. So it is in the board's best interest to create that trust to gain support and understanding on strategy and other decisions they need buy-in on. In addition, directors knowing their audience based on the different shareholder needs is important to have effective ongoing dialogue, which of course is a two-way street. And finally, both shareholders being invested in the governance of the company and the board of directors aligning with their shareholders' interests facilitates productive shareholder engagement. Selena, thank you for your time and sharing your thoughts and expertise with us here at ESG Unlocked. Thank you, Pam. It's been a pleasure being here and I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. This was ESG Unlocked brought to you by ISS Corporate Solutions. And as your host, I appreciate you listening in and encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues, as our mission is to help you better understand the ESG landscape. And please subscribe to get an alert for new episodes and follow ISS Corporate Solutions on LinkedIn for webinars and insightful thought leadership pieces as we continue to explore and unlock the value of ESG.